Hey guys, welcome back to Coffee and Van Chats. My name is John Kroom, and before I dive into this week's guest, I just kind of wanted to give you an update on where I'm at and what I'm even doing. Uh, so currently I'm sitting in South Carolina. Um, I'm on my way to my best friend's wedding and I've decided to bike pack from Easley, South Carolina all the way to Charleston, South Carolina, which is about 350 miles, but I'm super excited for it and I'm super excited to see my best friend get married. Um, but that trip is going to be brought to you by Kamut, which Kamut is this ride and route um, uploading service, I guess, and website. It's like a social media platform where you can upload your rides, you can see other people's rides and see their tours that they're doing, as well as I think it probably has some of the best mapping features that I've found with any other company. So. If you're looking to plan an adventure and a bikepacking route and you want to see certain things and you create certain waypoints, um, it's honestly superior to all. And it's actually the riding platform that I'm in, the mapping platform that I'm going to use to get to Charleston. So I'm super excited to have Kamut on board and making that happen. That's Kamut, K-O-M-O-O-T. So be sure to check them out. But other than that, this week's guest is Nick Gould. Nick Gould is a professional mountain biker here in Colorado Springs. And yeah, he's ripping everybody's KOMs and ripping everybody's legs off. And I haven't seen him in a while. So I thought, hey, let's get him on the podcast. I wanna see what he's up to in training because he's obviously training super hard being that he's Everested and now he's taking tons of KOMs. And to top it all off, he's got a little one on the way. So that's super exciting. He's adding another one to the family and uh, yeah, so congratulations, Nick, and um, sit back, relax, and enjoy. But first, let's hear a message from our sponsors. All right, uh, welcome back to another episode of Coffee and Van Chats. I'm here with Nick Gould, who's a professional mountain biker here in my town, Colorado Springs, Colorado. I met Nick on a couple group rides. We've butt heads, we've raced each other, we've pushed each other, and he's also helped me getting into the mountain bike, which is pretty sick. Um, Nick, how you doing, man? What's going on? Doing great. Yeah, yeah. Happy sweet. to be here. Sweet, yeah, thanks. So, um, yeah, man, I just kind of wanted to chat and a little bit about who you are. I mean, like, I, sh I saw you show up on this group ride, and I was just like, oh, who's this guy? You know, I was I was that dickhead of a pro that was like, oh, who's, who's this guy? And then, dude, he's like ripping each other, everybody's legs off. He's flying up the climbs. He's even smashing it on the flat. So, like, what's your background? Who are you? What's your deal, man? Uh, that's pretty funny. That made me remember that whole little incident. First time that we kind of rode uh, down. Little, uh, what do they call it? The argy bargy. Hargy bargy, yeah, man. Hargy like, bargy. I, I don't know if you guys do that much in mountain biking. I know... I'm assuming at the start, it's just fucking At chaos. the start, for sure. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. like, past the start, it's just, like, full on, like, you're by yourself, just suffering full gas. But, yeah, so tell like us a little bit about you. Sure. Uh, mountain bike racer. Um, started racing professionally in 2002, right after I graduated from college. Went to Fort Lewis College in Durango. Um, raced on a national championship team for a few years. I uh, had the pleasure to coach that team for a few years after I graduated which oh, was cool. pretty cool. Guys like Pacey McGalvin and Steven Davis and yeah. Ryan Stan with Standish and some pretty fast professional mountain bike racers. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I've just always been, I went to school for um, exercise science. Okay. So I have a degree in exercise physiology 
and started personal training after school as a way to supplement being a pro mountain bike racer. Uh, and that kind of led me into coaching and yeah, now I just pretty much ride, race, coach, still do some personal training, do uh, I'm a yoga instructor. Oh, uh, really? I didn't know that. Yep. What's the process of, what was the process of you getting into being a yoga instructor? Cause like, don't you have to like go away for some time to like become a <laughs> yoga instructor, you know? Like, so like, um, yeah. So you can do that. Like you can go to India and yeah. like hang out with Buddhist monks and like really dive in, or you can like go to your local yoga studio and like do like a three month inversion and get your oh, sweet. Two, 200 hour teacher training, which is what I did in Durango. Oh, awesome. Uh, and that was really cool. Like I'd never done anything like that. I'd never even done yoga before. Oh, and wow. I just, yeah. I was just at a place in my life. I didn't really know like what I wanted to do. I was kind yeah. of de DJing a lot and I was racing my bike a lot. And I just had this like full throttle lifestyle. And I was like, man, I need like some balance here. <laughs> some calming. And, yeah. You're uh, like, mountain biker, DJ. <laughs> how do we, how do we meet in the middle? Like I'm staying up all night, riding all day. What do I do? exactly <laughs> they don't compliment each other at all yeah I, I can see it's like a lot of you dirt guys are just like djs like naturally like it's like jeremy powers dirt, dj and like, dirt djs yeah man that's insane uh yeah so i do that too but yeah the yoga thing like just uh you know there was a girl of course and uh, she she kind of it was part of the reason i got into it and i actually ended up meeting my wife in yoga and uh yeah just help balance give my life more balance from the super like young style energy that i had um and it's that was 10 years ago and i've been oh, teaching sweet. ever since i teach here at a garden of the gods resort and club awesome. and i teach a couple other classes there like a boot camp kind of core class and then i teach like a spin class but it's like half spin half yoga it's called spin oh. yoga wow so that's kind of cool uh, a little bit different approach, like 45 minutes all out intervals, and then 45 minutes of like restorative, super chill yoga to stretch feel, it out. After. I feel like I couldn't do that. Like even restorative <laughs> yoga, I feel like I'd be fucked. Like it would just be game over. <laughs> yeah, that means you really need it. <laughs> that that not gonna argue with you. Nope. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, no. it's funny because like when I started teaching yoga, I did like level two hot vinyasa. Like yeah. super like fast paced dynamic like yeah. arm balances and sweat and like a lot of heat and now i do really chill more restorative based yeah uh, that sounds like my style i think uh, like they have this uh yoga studio here in town called cambio and uh it's like donation based so a lot of the cyclists sweet. uh take advantage of that opportunity because you can you know pay five bucks or whatever and, and go get a good stretch and get a good time in but i feel like nine times out of ten when i sign up for those classes or i'm like hey you know what i'm gonna go to yoga tonight like i end up in that like crazy hot you know vinyasa flow and then the dude next to me is just jacked and he's like on one arm with his head behind his legs and i'm just like oh god so no, but that's yeah awesome. you don't need to be in there you don't yeah, need yeah. to be like you need to be doing some level one like all levels yeah yeah hot yoga totally some hip openers some yeah. spinal extension i'm like sitting up taller as i talk yeah, yeah. about it <laughs> hip, spine <laughs> extension <laughs> yeah no that's cool yeah, man. So. and so so yeah you moved to town you're a mountain biker professional mountain biker and yeah i mean 
pretty much from the gun, you, you've, you've started a team. Um, it was going to be your like debut year. Um, but due to COVID, I think that's kind of put you guys on a bit of a pause, but let's, uh, let's show the team some love and just kind of give some breakdown on like, like, because you guys, there was only one race this year and one of your guys got third at mid South, which is, was just an epic race. Like the fact that you finished that race, much less place in the top three is insane. So new team third at mid South, like, yeah. Give us yeah. a little background on that, man. Um, so yeah, just, it's kind of cool. The gravel thing. Like I never had a gravel bike until this year. Oh, okay. Um, it was a totally new sport to me. Uh, Jonathan Kavner, uh, invited me a good buddy of mine who, you know, well through the road oh, yeah. scene and track. Um, he thought that I would be good at it because of my mountain bike background. And I've raced a lot of road over the years, just having like a little bit of knowing some road tactics, but having some good skills on the dirt that I would be, that I'd be a good member of the team. So he invited me on rodeo labs, um, frame builder based out of Denver. They're like yeah. the title sponsor. And I think there's seven of us, two girls, five guys, Jonathan Baker, the guy that got third at mid South. He's yeah, like good a cycle cross guy. Yeah. Multinational cycle cross champion, uh, multinational, Masters Road Champion, the guy's freaking super decorated, uh, amazing athlete. Uh, so yeah, this team started out hot and heavy. We got all these sponsors and it all came together. And then I did a couple races, um, one in Texas in January, the oh, Texas yeah. Chain Ring Massacre. And then I did the Old Man Winter, which ended up getting like kind of canceled. Yeah. And then like the team like really came together. We got our bikes. And me and Kavner flew to this race in North Carolina. And it was like a really important race for our sponsors because they were sure. one of the sponsors of the race. And um, the Crow 10 buck 50. And then that race this was like, cool race. yeah, I was super stoked about that race, 150 miles. And then it got canceled the night before the race. Wow. Uh, or two nights before. Uh, so we were already all out there. We had a sweet beach house and uh, we just pre-rode the course. The stoke was super high and they're like, sorry, COVID race canceled. Um, so we ended up riding the course, um, doing the 150 miles like the, the same day, but it wasn't the same as racing. And then you guys all went to Mid-South and uh, got lucky. I mean, <laughs> you guys I got to race. <laughs> I think if Bobby could go back in time though, who Bobby is the promoter, like I think he inadvertently would have probably maybe would have canceled. I don't know. I can't really speak for Bobby, but I know that I know that that was a super hard decision for them. And he was just like, I'll do whatever the city will allow us to do. And I think the city was just like, we're just going to go through with it. And like, we'll reassess morning of and just see what's happening. And cause that was like when it was all kind of hitting the fan around March 17th. I mean, we were getting phone calls cause we all drove down to Oklahoma and like we're just sitting there like you know we're hearing about everything getting canceled it's like it was like we were on a different planet like everybody else in the world was like wreaking chaos and like kind of like the way it was the first few weeks and we were just like living like normal people just walking in no masks like just yeah. living the dream and then I get back to Colorado and it's like a ghost town almost and uh well we like, flew out there so we were like oh man that's this is kind of sketchy we yeah felt pretty exposed yeah and then like we're like we get to north carolina and we show up at this like 
million dollar beach house like right ocean front property yeah. and the rodeo guys are like we got a keg like this is gonna and it was like weather for us was like 65 yeah. degrees and sunny and perfect and we're looking at the weather for you guys and we're like these guys are screwed like we made oh, the right yeah. decision like we're so stoked to be here and then like our race gets canceled <laughs> yeah i mean and you probably still made the right decision to be there because mid-south was literally like riding through peanut butter for eight hours and you probably would have done it a little faster but i lost all shifting just by i think by mile 30 i was out of shifting and we had only been on gravel for um and it's hard to even call it mile 30 <laughs> yeah it's like hard to call it gravel but i'm like out of shifting and and then by mile 50 we hit our first rest stop and they're pressure washing bikes and i'm just like please so they pressure wash my bike and then literally like five miles later i'm out of shifting again and it was just yeah it was pretty much just rolling to the finish line well good job for finishing anybody that completes that race that's like you get a badge of honor for sure well yeah it was it was just really crazy to talk about like the year previous like i think they were finishing that race in like five hours and Payson right. Payson won it in like six and a half yeah. um but yeah hopefully I get to chat with him uh about that because I mean literally I think I think he made a comment in a podcast that he did it was just like if I have to get off my bike I'm running like that's that's the only deal I've made with myself so if I get <laughs> off the bike I run and, and that's why Baker started. did so well just because he's so good at cyclocross you know yeah he's, He's got those skills in the mud and then he knows how to shoulder his bike and he knows how to, you know, run around in slippery mud. So it just it suited him perfectly. Yeah, I was about to but, say, I mean, I feel like I feel like even if I knew how to shoulder my bike and I think back to the female winner, like or even just pacing him for that matter, like my bike was like sixty pounds of just mud like my shoulders to, would have crushed. i was i was crushed. blown dude i was yeah. blown man so like trying to figure out how to how to make it work was insane but yeah man so like really what made me want to get you on this podcast and i really appreciate you coming on like really what made me want to get you on was the fact that i saw you do everest and i was like that is epic and it was it was during a time when like we were starting to hear more races getting canceled and like it was kind of like a lot of people are starting to lose motivation, but you found found like you were kind of starting to do the Everest before it like really, really blew up. Um, I mean, it was kind of popular. Like people were doing the virtual Everest, people were going out and doing it, but nobody was really like promoting it or pushing it. But I saw you, like you were one of the first people that popped up in my timeline. So, um, and if anybody's from Colorado Springs, listen to this, it was on high drive, which is, essentially it's it's an awesome climb it's a beautiful climb um but it's almost like people just put like those little marbles out of dirt just along this climb and the fact like you sinking in you're sliding out like dude i gotta hear about this like did you go all the way down to the bottom or did you go to the gate and like where the gate opens up and they have that like hiking trail off the right so like how did you how did you plan for that so yeah um i'd wanted to do everything for a while yeah. Uh, since a friend of a friend did it, like when Everesting first became, like it came a thing, I think like five years ago, like yeah. an official like website and everything where, where you could get like in the hall of fame and all that. And that's when I heard about it and the seed was planted then, but it's like with racing, you're like, when am I going to like fit this in? 
Like you want to be on good form to do it. It's not something you want to do in the winter. And it's like, it doesn't really like balance out like any kind of specific race. Right. So uh, then a guy that I coached this year was like, brought it up. He's like, have you ever heard of Everesting? And I was like, yeah, I want to do that. Uh, I'd like to do it sometime. And he's like, we should do it on high drive. And I was like, we should, that would be perfect. Yeah. Um, you know, we can do it on our mountain bikes and that you, you won't be dealing with a bunch of cars and you can gain quite a bit of vert. It's pretty steep. And then you can just bomb back down. And that was last year. Um, and then it was just like COVID happened. I was like, well, shit, what's better, no better time than now to do it. Um, so yeah, you know, you just get on Strava, you look at the segment, you see how much vertical the climb has you see how long the climb is and the descent and you do the math and you figure out you know how many times you have to do it um and then i did like a, a pre-eversting training ride uh the week before and i did half of the, the amount of climbing so i did um you know, like fourteen thousand feet of climbing and it was like 12 times up high drive um, just to like get the pacing going to see what it was going to feel like to see how like my hamstrings were going to do. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, if like, if I wanted to run a 32 or a 34 up front, I ended up running the 32 thanks to Russell Finsterwald because I, for some reason, didn't have a 32 laying yeah. around and, uh, he gave me one like the day before. And wow, that's um, awesome. just it's, you don't want to be in that situation where you like don't have the right gear all of a sudden. So, Oh, for sure. <laughs> But yeah, we went all the way to the top and then all the way back to the to the gate at the bottom where people park right there. Like so Okay, the, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So cause there's like cause you can so you get over the gate, right? Like you throw your bike over the gate and then you ride up it and about not halfway, maybe a third of the way in, it like kind of opens up and then there's that other gate. And I literally thought, trail. Yeah, and I literally oh. thought about this yesterday where I was like, did he did he go down here and then flip it or did he actually like do the whole thing you know so it's sweet because because you can park so close to the gate yeah you know, we got there at like four in the morning i did it with uh five other athletes that i coach yeah um, three of them completed it four including myself and then two young like juniors that did half everesting and a bunch of the community came out like uh one you know one of their girlfriends came, their dads, uh, my, awesome. my wife was there. And so we had like a little base camp set up, you know, in the back of our cars and trucks, like right at the gate. Uh, so we didn't really have to like go anywhere. You just get to the bottom, stop for a second, fill your water, take off some clothes, whatever. Um, but yeah, we started at like 4.20 in the morning in the dark with lights on. 4.20, yeah. 4.20 on the dot. 69 RPMs and 420 is the start time. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty uh, much. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah man. Because I'm, I'm only imagining going down as probably like the scariest thing. Like, so the thing was, was like, there were so many hikers out because it was a Saturday. Yeah. And that's like probably the most popular hiking place in town. For sure. So, and, and mountain bikers and dogs. So in the middle of the day, it was just like nonstop, just people, which was mostly pretty cool. Like most, you know, people see you go up and down and up and down. They're like, what the hell are you doing? We're like, yeah, for sure. We're doing this. And they're like, yeah, you know, everyone was pretty cool. But then you're bombing down like 30, 40 miles an hour. Yeah. And like, I mean, it's a wide open descent. Like you can, you know how fast you can go. Like it's, oh, yeah. you can haul. And uh, 
you know, you're just trying to like, not but I also know the kids. mistakes you can make, like the mistakes yeah. you can make going down that thing. I mean, cause the, like I said previously, like the dirt that is on that thing, it is so it's not good. Yeah. It is not it's, great. Like, it's and that's, bearings. that's kind of like, that's kind of like Colorado though, or at least Colorado Springs from Colorado the Springs. trail. Yeah. The trails totally. that I've ridden, like it's, I mean, it's just this like pebbly granite yeah. rock. Like, I mean, the front brake is not really your friend. Much. No, so, no, don't yeah. hit the front brake. <laughs> yeah. Cause I mean, you're just going to wash that front tire out. So, um, yeah. and I've learned the hard way already. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, man, that's, that's super cool. So what really kind of like turned me on to that and like wanted to get chatting about that is that have you thought about doing it again, but this time maybe on a road bike or just even a gravel bike on a different climb? Because I think what you did it in 18 hours, um, 17 elapsed 14 yeah. moving. Okay. So, so yeah, so you did it, let's say, let's say you did it in 17 hours, you know, cause what do they count, right? Like what's the counting is the actual elapsed time, right? Cause like essentially it's stopping. Yeah. So yeah. 17 hours, like, I think like you're one of the better climbers here in Colorado Springs. Like does it, has it like even kind of like sparked your interest? Cause like, I mean, that would be, that, that'd be super cool. It's like, could you knock it down even more? Yeah, totally. It definitely wasn't the fastest route. Oh, um, not at all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like you can't even get out of the saddle on yeah. that climb because there's just, you know, that rear tire is just going to like Sliding spin away, out. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't, I feel like you could gain a more vert, like for as long as that and hard as that climb is, it's only 1200 feet, which seems like it feels like it's more when you're climbing it. I think, yeah. I think it feels like you're like, this is like 1500, maybe more. So mm. um, yeah, I definitely would like to do it again. I mean, there's, there's, I mean, I do have a race on my calendar coming up, but not a lot of races. And I think it would be cool to do, I don't know, Payson did it on his mountain bike. I think that, and I, and on single track, which yeah. I think is pretty cool. Um, that's, that's definitely gnarly. That takes it up a level, but you're not going to win any time uh, awards for that. You know, that's just like, you're just going to crush yourself. But I think um, that was his whole point. Like yeah. he, he was literally just going out to complete it. Like, exactly. And, and do it. And, yep. uh, which, which kind of made it cool badass oh for sure and the, i i mean i know that trail i lived in durango for 20 something years actually at the k i'm on the climb still oh sick man. <laughs> but it's like it's pretty high up there it's not yeah. like full-on like high alpine but it's like i mean he's probably climbing up to like between nine and ten thousand feet so yeah. it's not like super low elevation and, and that as well is, is pretty gnarly. i think i climbed up high drive climbs up to like about eight or something yeah. like that so he was probably going between like eight and 10. Um, and that does make a difference for sure. But it would be sweet to like turn around and like shred ripping. Like that's a super fun trail. It's, it's high speed. You just buttery flowy. I mean, there's a couple rock gardens, but for the most part, it's like high speed, fast, op wide open descending. So high drive is like kind of like you just kind of like get down and then turn around and go again. Yeah, like you're down in five minutes. Yeah, but I'm almost thinking of it from an angle of like, okay, the long one of the longest rides I've done is like nine hours. Okay. And then I'm thinking if I add five hours to that, so we make it 14 hours, how delirious I would be. And so like to do it on single track, that's epic. To do yeah. it on high drive, that's still pretty epic because it's like like you you have to you have to be checked in. Like on a mountain bike, like I can descend on the road and not be that checked in. And I think a lot of people can. It's just like Hey, don't get into that lane, you know, yeah. just yeah. 
flow down and you have an idea of the climb. It's like, there's a pothole here, there's a pothole there, this turns here, this turns there. Whereas like I could go right up to the top of uh, Buckhorn and Jack's could be different than it was yesterday. So yeah, for sure. I, I, I mean, a moto coming up. Yeah. Or yeah. Or a motorcycle coming up. It's just epic. Right. So like, I know you got a race coming up, but like, I think like, what race are you thinking about doing? That's uh, it's a gravel race in Kansas. Ah, <laughs> uh, is that the grind? Uh, no, that got canceled. Um, it's called Open Range. Huh. When uh, is it? It's June thirteenth. Oh, it's cool. like one hundred and twenty miles. It's flat. Awesome. Uh, I'm just gonna go to represent the sponsors. And, yeah. And just just go race. Like, see, yeah, see if um, you can actually get in a race. Totally. Um, yeah, it's only six and a half hours away, so for it's sure, not that far. For sure. Yeah. Cause it's, you know, cause I think Lagrine got moved to the 12th unless they canceled it again. Oh, okay. Um, I, yeah, so I, I already I, got canceled, canceled oh. as far as I, as far as I know. It's a possibility. I don't know. We'll find out. Um, but fact check, but. with Everstein, like one thing, just to kind of answer your question, like I would like to do it again just because it's, it's kind of different, but I like, yeah. like what Russell said, he had a pretty cool route. Cause I was asked him if he wanted to do high drive and he wasn't too interested in yeah. doing that 26 times, but he wanted to do it on in some route. route. And he was talking about doing Manitou to Pikes Peak. And oh, it was wow. like 3.76 times or something like that. So and doing that Pikes be, Peak. Yeah. From Manitou. Yeah. Like Cause there all was, the way down. There was one other guy who did, who tried to do Pikes Peak and Everest Pikes Peak. The, where he ran into the issue was the gate opening oh uh, yeah at, at seven yeah because there's a yeah because like trying to figure out like the timing of the gate opening and then them allowing you to continue yeah. when it's about to close because like if the gate closes and you're only like you know at the reservoir like to yeah. them it's like this can be all day and there's pretty strict rules like you have yeah. to do the same climb like you can't like all of a sudden be like all right i'm just gonna do half the climb now like you have oh. to do the same, same climb top to bottom, the same amount of times. So it's not like, it's not like I could go ride and put the same amount of climbing in on one ride. Exactly. To, because in theory, you need to ride Everest. You need to ride Everest and it's just an oh. update. It's the same hill, same amount of times. But cause I, this is actually what I'm the most interested in doing again is it's called the High Rulers Society. Mm -hmm. And it's by the people, Hell's 500, that put on Eversting. And it's a different challenge. And there's two kinds of challenges for the High Rulers Society. There's the limit and there's the journey. Okay. And basically the limit is you're doing 10,000 meters of vert. Okay? And you can do it on any route. Right. Any way you shake it, you just need to get 10,000 meters. So it's like 31,000 some amount of climbing. So a couple thousand more than Everest, but you can go do like some big epic ride yeah. to get it. So the limit involves no sleep. You do it all just on no sleep, any route. And then the journey is like, you can sleep like three hours, but you have to do like 400 kilometers to do it. Uh, oh, wow. something something you get a little bit of sleep like a little bit but you have to do this like huge amount of uh mileage as well as the ten thousand meters 
So I think that'd be pretty bad. My original plan, like my, my goal of all goals when to Everest was goal. Number one was to Everest. Yeah. Goal number two was to do the high ruler society with, and do like two more laps to get the 30, to get the 10,000 meters. Okay. And, and I, I didn't get that because it just got dark again and I was just done. I was like, I don't really want to do two more laps. And in retrospect, once I uploaded my Garmin and corrected elevation, I was like 500 feet avert away from having it. So if I would have known what I actually was at, I would have totally just gone and done the rest of the climbing. Yeah, but just sent it. secretly part of me was like, I wanted to have this other challenge as well to kind of get that. And I almost didn't want to get it because I was like, well, this would be a cool, really epic mountain bike ride for sure. to go do. So I think that would be pretty badass. It's something kind of on my radar. Um, but I really, I just want to race at this point. <laughs> yeah, no, I think, I honestly think we all do. I mean, the the internet challenges and the Strava challenges are great, but geez, I, I really want to race my bike, but. And even like the group rides too, you know? Oh man, like, yeah. And it's kind of like one of those things, man. We were having this conversation where it's like, at least for me, like, I feel like, I feel like I have no idea what's going on, you know? Cause like you watch the news, you watch all these people and what they're doing. So you have like, one set of people that are wearing masks, rubber gloves, and whatever else, and you have the other set of people who are like, I'm not wearing the mask, I'm going to protest, I'm going to freak out. And then so you're like wondering, like, how serious is this, right? So like, I'm trying to wear my mask out of respect, right? Because, you know, I'm a healthy individual, I'm not really too stressed about it. But obviously, I'm going to wear my mask, because I don't know, maybe I have it, and I'm asymptomatic. I don't know. You know, but then at the same time, you like, you like hear about these other states they're like opening back up like it's funny to hear that um that race was canceled the croats and buck 50 and it's like one of the first states that's back open yeah you know yeah we were really surprised it got canceled too yeah um, but the, the promoter is definitely not like a, he's a pretty liberal guy mm. you know pretty kind of similar to us and he's a pretty yeah. cool dude so i could i could see why um, i mean it makes but, sense like it's and and it was really hard to see like at mid South, like Bobby go through that, like that thought process of like, do I cancel this? Do we go on? Like, what, what do I do? And then you have the backlash from other people who aren't even here, who have no idea, you know, they have the same knowledge of this virus that we do. Like we're literally seeing it on the news when you're seeing it on the news. So like, and other people are canceling. So does it make us look bad that we didn't follow suit or does it make us, you know, does it make us look like we just didn't have, didn't have really an idea of what was going on, you know? And yeah, I feel like I'm like right in the middle. Like I'm half, like you just said, like wear my mask, got to re- respect for the virus, just to be yeah. as protective as possible. But then I'm also like, you know what? Like we need to like build immunity to this. We need to like let this thing run its course. And like, if we don't start just like mixing germs and like making this thing happen, like, are we really doing anything or are we just slowing down the process? Yeah. And it's like, but then I start thinking about my parents or like my mother-in-law who's like super high risk. And I'm yeah. like, go back to the other side. And I'm like, Oh, I need to protect them. But then I got this kid, I got, you know, my wife's pregnant. I got a kid yeah. coming on the way. So I'm like, well, I want my kid to have the vaccination and, to build the antibodies and have the strong immune system. So I want him to be exposed to it on some level. So I just like, I don't really even know, 
exactly yeah <laughs> it's, it's so hard because it's like we just don't know yeah. but yeah sorry but you know, italy did you hear about italy today like they're no, reopening back up um they're about to open up pools health clubs wow uh, mo- movie theaters and they were the third biggest um country like they were like not far it was like the u.s and then some other country and then italy for the most deaths from this wow. whole thing so they were like super high risk and they're starting to open back up so that's well they really they were also super positive. strict yeah like they i mean like i think there was a video of taylor finney getting a ticket from riding outside of his city limit oh really you know he got an hour of, of riding a day and he rode outside of his city limit and they pretty much were like yeah if you ride back here like you're going to jail like don't wow. do that again and so like huh. people were getting tickets whereas like if that happened here like you you'd have dudes doing front flips in front of city hall like don't bother me oh, there's people on the incline the whole time it's close oh i, like, I rode that. my bike up bar trail and it was like there was uh, we stopped at the, where the incline and bar trail meet and yeah. it was like non-stop people coming off the incline that's about as that's about as good as somebody in Garden of the Gods, which if you're from Colorado Springs, you'll you'll definitely appreciate this. But somebody in Garden of the Gods parking in the bike lane to step out of their car to take said photo, like right in front of the sign that says please do not park in the bike lane, like there's a parking lot right up right up ahead. Happens all day long. All day long. It's just the car <laughs> safaris. I love it, man. I love it. It's just, just like, oh yeah, let me get a picture of this, post it on Instagram, get back in the car. But so on the topic of COVID, man, so like you've done the Everesting and you're stealing tons of KOMs. Like what's your training looking like during this whole coronavirus? And like, are you still like kind of on the gas a little bit for as far as like, well, you are racing in a few weeks, but um, yeah. What's your training look like? Um, yeah. Just trying to like stay motivated. That's like the main thing and to keep my athletes motivated and sure. kind of do things that we can do together just to keep them engaged, to keep myself engaged. Um, so the Everesting was the first thing that I involved my athletes with. And then uh, my most recent thing was last week, I did a seven day stage race, Yeah, uh, mountain bike. So I went into Strava and I created seven different routes, like my own segments. And they're all pretty short. Like they're all like 15 to 45 minute long segments. Yeah. Everything was like a climb and a descent. So it was very like, XC oriented yep but that uh, that kind of mixes it up a little bit right like so for like a guy like me it's it's really hard for me to go out and like i'm gonna go steal koms because like my fat ass isn't getting up any of these climbs anytime soon but like i can go do some of the flat things and i really when i get the 20 second kom i just look at that as like trash like i (laughs) i don't want that (laughs) like that just means that i was going fast enough at that time like because i don't even know where half those segments start but yeah totally uh i mean t- take what you can get i guess but i guess man i, I guess that's, that's the positive way of throw some arrow it. bars on get the wind app yeah yeah but i i think it's cool that you're like kind of integrating like it's gonna have a climb you're gonna have to be able to descend as well to kind of to kind of make it a little bit more interesting than just like you need to be super light and go uphill or you need to be you know you know going super fast downhill whatever Sorry, I just lost you. I can't see you anymore. Oh, man. Said something about an update, but I can see myself. You, I, I mean, I can hear you. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, let's see. Um, Hold on one video. second, guys. There you are. There Boom. you are. We're back in business. Cool. 
Um, so yeah, with the stage race, um, people love it. Like it was like really successful. I think I want to do more. I competed in it too. And like right now, like my last athlete just finished and the thing, the rules were you had to do every stage in seven consecutive days. So one stage okay. a day for seven days, you couldn't do like two or three stages in one day. Makes sense. And then, um, but I gave them the freedom to be able to mix up the order of the stages just for oh, okay. strategizing, which yeah. I, and for their own schedules and whatnot. Um, so I thought that was kind of fun and people enjoyed having a little bit of freedom to do whatever stages, whatever days that they wanted to do. Yeah. Um, and then I just added up all the times for an overall GC, I have a bunch of prizes and, um, I'm still adding up the times right now because the last last rider just finished the last stage, okay. and uh, and yeah, it's just a great way to get like a bunch of threshold and VO2 efforts and to really get in that mode of like descending when you're totally pinned, you yeah. know, like when you're just completely anaerobic and like your your arms are burning from lactic on the climb from sprinting out of the saddle at the very top and then having to be able to completely be present and focus and just send it on a downhill that you really only get from racing for sure so it's i don't know i had a lot of fun with it uh definitely you know i'm sure i pissed off a few trail users you know smile (laughs) (laughs) smile and wave yeah yeah um but you know that's just kind of nature of the game you know when you're mixing like all of a sudden everyone's outside on the trails and Strava is the only way for us to like really go push ourselves and get like a consistent time. So that's kind of a recipe, but you know, you do your best to like be nice and actually slow down a little bit. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Cause that's, that's, that's actually one conversation I had with my wife when I started mountain biking, you know, she like, I was mountain biking for like a week or two and we hadn't really talked about it except for the fact that I kept crashing. And then she, uh, she came she came home one day and she was like, we need to talk. And I'm like, Oh crap. What did I do? Like did I do something wrong. She's like, I just went on a hike and I just, you know, bumped into a mountain biker. Like we didn't like hit each other, but like he was really pissed. And it made me think like, is John like that too on the trail? And I think that should be known that I don't think any of us are like that on the trail, except for certain douchebags, which if you're that douchebag on the trail, just understand, man, it's, it's multi-use, man. Take your time. Totally. Like, totally. Like you don't Strava is totally virtual. Yeah, like, you can go back again. Like, hopefully yeah. that trail's not going anywhere. And understand <laughs> totally. that, like, other people would like to utilize that trail, too. Like, you're not the only person out there. That so. was actually rule number one of yeah. the race was, like, okay, you guys are all representing my coaching business. So you're ambassadors <laughs> for me. So be super yeah. nice and respectful. And, you know, you're not going to make everybody happy, but you can make most people happy just by you know just slowing down a little bit and saying thank you and waving and just being a good ambassador of the sport um so yeah so i think i'm gonna do more of that i've got like some more challenges coming up that just everybody really really like that and it's just like such a good way to squeeze these really hard efforts out of people where people aren't very motivated to go do six by tens right now yeah you know or to go up and down like the same climb unless it's ever staying of course yeah um it's just like the the whole training structure is like probably the worst thing I think you could really be doing right now as a coach, maybe a little bit, but like 
you really got like people are people want to race it's time to race we did yeah. base we did all like all the training got done this year that's the funny thing like we're all ready to race right when COVID hit yeah so it's like going back to base like that was like the whole topic like okay we're racing in the fall so we need to go back to base now so that we can peak in like three or four months it's like I'm sorry, but like we worked, I worked, my guys worked way too hard to not like go rip some legs off right now and go test their form and have like a little peak, even if there are no races. For sure. So it's like, we can always like take a little time off and rebuild and have another peak. But for me personally, like, I mean, guys want to go fast. And I think that people just would have gotten burnt out if they were really supposed to like get back on their road bikes and go do, you know, 60 to hundred mile rides three or four days a week. And you know, when the trails are sweet, we're getting rain. I mean, like now's the time to go, to go hard. And that was what I thought was really cool about the apex race doing the rampart challenge because yeah. it like motivated the whole community to go out and let's, you know, and, and there was a great prize, you know, it's like, you win a free $450 entry fee to this stage race. So I got really excited about that. I had all my athletes doing the Rampart KOM too, just really took advantage of, of that. Um, So thank God for Strava. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Which is another epic climb here in town. It's uh, how how long is it? 11 miles, 3000 feet. Yeah. 11 mile climb, 3000 feet. And he did it in 53 minutes. I think two. The day after, yeah, 52. So the day 52, after- 52, 52. Yeah, the day after you did it, I, uh, I went and did it myself. I did it in an hour and 20 minutes. And uh, I even gained like one more just notch on the belt of respect for you, man. Like uh, it was insane. Like, I mean, I still can't- It's a tough climb. Yeah, so how did, you, how did you prepare for that? Did you just, did you ride out there? Was it in part of your ride or like- did you do it? And then did you like, all right, that's my ride. I'm good for the day. Or did you just like go to Mount Hermon and descend into monument? Like, so I did the first time I did that climb was in the Rampart Rager race last October. I'd never even done it before. I did it. I did it. I'd done it, but only up to like Williams and I hadn't done the full thing until the actual race. Yep. Williams is about half. So I did the Rampart Rager and then, that race ended up getting canceled because it was so cold. It got shortened. So we went to the top of the climb, but instead of doing the full course, um, they, they sent us back. So we still had results and awards and everything, but your time of your race was based on your climb. So I got to do the full climb that day, froze my ass off. And then I was like, well, I still want to do the Rampart Rager course because I've never done it. So in like, I think it was like, February or March we had a warm day it was like 50 degrees in town and I was like I'm gonna go through it today yeah. and like I got all the way to Mount Herman Road and it was just like so much snow back there oh, and man. I literally skated my way down Mount it, it took me like almost two hours to get down Mount Herman like I crashed like four times it was like oh, glare man. ice I had no cell phone service I had like arm and knee warmers on it was completely just so dumb but uh but I got to do the course that day and then and then they did the challenge and I was like so I'd done it a few more times in training and I figured like oh you can just drop down Woodland Park and come back through Chapita and do like yeah. the sweet loop like if there is snow back there and uh and then I knew that that there was a challenge and I wanted to really try and get that KOM so yeah I just 
you know, you, I guess you just try once as hard as you can. I mean, you, there's just so much that goes into it. You're looking at the wind. The wind yeah. is like, you definitely need a south, southeast, you know, five to 20 mile an hour wind, but it's still switchback. So you never have yeah. a full on tailwind. But if the majority of the climb is super um, northwest facing, so that southeast wind is, is the way to go. And then you don't want to have a ton of cars out there especially as dry as it was leading up to the competition. It was super dusty, um, tons of washboards. So I knew that like the Rodeo Labs bike, I had like tubular wheels that Chris Murray glued on for me, like a 36 um, Challenge uh, Strata Bianca, super slick, wide, just supple tubular tire. It was so nice over the washboards, um, super light carbon wheels. So like bike setup had so much because because guys like the the person who had the KOM before me had it on a road bike like when it's good like it is right now who had it rain, before? Got, Kalen. Oh wow, wow. Okay. So he yeah, he got it last summer and he did it on a road bike and it because after it rains like and people drive on it and it, it gets like concrete I mean it gets yeah. so hard packed those washboards get washed away and you can just. I mean, it's still not going to be very fun on the downhill if you have to come back down, but like you can just crush it uh, going up on a road bike. So I knew that there was like Russell had been doing it on his road bike and he was like, he flatted trying to do it. There were just so many rocks and it was just not good conditions for that. So I, I knew I had an advantage with my gravel bike for sure. Um, and yeah, then I went and I sent it and I got second. It was good enough to be first in the competition, but it, it didn't get the KOM. I was like a minute and something off of Kalen's time still. What was um, his time? His time was like 53.20 and I did like a 54.49 or something. Okay. Um, and, but it's such good training doing it, right? Yeah, yeah, like, for sure. like doing it is the best training. Take a, you know, a few days off and then go do it again. So every time you do it, you learn your pacing a little bit more. You it's cause it's such a long climb. You're really like, always like, where can I give a little bit more? And cause it's like, it's, you have to, if you go too far, like you will pay for it after Williams. Like, so yeah. you have to really monitor the whole effort. You can't do, you know, four or 500 Watts in the first couple of minutes, you will pay, you know, on the last mile. So. And I feel like that's one of those climbs where the gravel almost changes a bit, like oh, as you're going up and in different sections, like in some sections, it's like really washboardy and really like really grainy. And then other sections, it's like pretty concrete and packed in and then it's concrete <laughs> packed in with holes. Like there, it just like, it changes in these, like, like honestly, the best way to put it, it's an 11 mile climb. There's probably 11 different surfaces. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. It's like each mile is like kind of different. It's kind of, it's kind of crazy. Like when I did it in, in March or whatever, it was like so perfect, like the bottom to Williams. And then once you got up there, it was like super muddy and snowy and yeah, cause just like, what does it peak out at up there? Is it like nine ninety five? Or is I think that it's like around not yeah nine nine and change? Because it's pretty gradual. Like it's pretty gradual. It's climbing. Five percent the yeah. whole ways. Like it never really kicks up. There's one point about three quarters of the way up where it starts to kind of pitch on a switch back and you can really feel that. Yeah. Um, but it's like, it's crazy. Cause like I had a battle, so I got second first in the competition, but there was still like a week left in the competition. 
And one of the guys I coach, Matt Bell, who's very talented athlete. He's got a huge engine. Present. He was the guy I was most concerned about. I was like, he's, I'm just, I coach him. I know how fast he is. I know how good yeah, of a yeah. climber he is. And he went out like a couple days later and he bested my time by oh. like, by like seven seconds. But he didn't know that I had gone out to try and just get the KOM because I didn't have the KOM and I really wanted yeah. it. So I went out that morning before him and got the KOM and oh, man. like, a couple like I don't know a minute and a half or, or like two minutes faster than my prior time so he thought that he had Strava live yeah. so he got to the top oh, I didn't man. use Strava live or anything but and he was like seven seconds and he was like celebrating and then he yeah, uploaded yeah. at the top just to see and he's and he saw my Within time he's seconds like, you son of a bitch like you went yeah. up this morning and crushed it <laughs> yeah yeah I still have like a minute on him or something yeah. uh but it was pretty funny uh we he's had a bigger a he's, he's kind of a bigger dude yeah, he's like 165. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And uh, 165, 170. And, but he's got, he could do, I got his power test. He did a three, 357 watts for 20 minutes on Zwift power test. Well, just the other day, like, I know he's leading right now. He's leading that 10 minute challenge. Oh, I saw that. I saw saw that. Is that him? The other yeah. Day. yeah, I think so. I mean, I saw he, Matt B, but he I'm just, just assuming like, that's him. I was too, which it probably yeah. is, but I know that uh, he's, he's injured right now. He oh, okay. uh, crashed on his gravel bike. When uh, though? Because it's been going on for like, yeah, you know, okay. Since that May 1st. Like, I yeah. mean, he could have, he could have. Oh, I bet he just uploaded his, uh, he, I had him do, like he did a Blodgett workout to go yeah. for this cause racing strava challenge and he got the kom and he did like 411 watts for 10 that's what it was yeah that's exactly so yeah, what it was that's the guy that. yeah yeah so that's super impressive because then yeah. you look at his one minute power and you're like dude you almost did what you did for one minute for 10 minutes that's, that's me like, dude <laughs> <laughs> no yeah there's no harm no foul in that i mean um, it is what it is. Shorter, like, the, the, the shorter it is, the worse I do. The longer it goes, the better I do. Yeah, it happens, man. <laughs> yeah, especially at this altitude, it can always be weird too. Like trying to yeah. do that, like, because I'm definitely like a 900 watt for a minute guy, but at this <laughs> at this level, that's like my peak power. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but at the, but at this I got level, a thousand one time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At this level, it's like. I mean, 750, 780 is a good day, I think. Yeah. I'm a bigger dude, too. So, like, Matt, you know, I'm still got, like, 35 pounds on Matt. So, I mean, that's pretty impressive. So, he should definitely thank his coach for that. <laughs> but, yeah, so man, Hopefully, he doesn't have to have surgery on his shoulder. He separated his shoulder. Oh, his bummer. AC joint. Uh, oh, yeah, he should be fine. Yeah. A lot of – nine times – It's like, pretty bad. It's yeah. bad. Oh, is like, it? It's a level – three or four separation whatever the, yeah yeah because like, i had i had a level three and they told me i needed surgery and i i opted out of it and i'm not saying that just because i did it you should do it too but i opted out of it because i two weeks later i had a world cup yeah that's and, the reason. and and so i opted out of it i did the world cup and it was awful and it was really really painful and i probably jacked some stuff up because then like a couple months later i went on and broke it um, and I honestly still think to this day it was because of how high it stuck up, you know, his is pretty high. Yeah. yeah. Well, you should talk. I'll, I'm going to have him contact you. Yeah. Yeah. You should. He's, he works for the air force. So he's getting like mixed reviews on his insurance and what it will cover. And yeah. 
like the really good surge Stedman's Hawkins surgeon like he can't like use her because of the Air Force Academy so he's kind of in a in a weird place but anyways I'm gonna I'm gonna have him contact you but uh he's a good dude for sure no that's that's yeah that's a good call man I mean it's kind of one of those things where it's like those surgeries are always really weird um because with the AC joint oh. like nine times out of ten it's cosmetic but there's also a there's also a uh like a, a a an injury level at a certain point where it like needs to be repaired or it's gonna yeah. start tearing up muscles. He's like right on that threshold for sure. But I had the rotator cuff torn labrum surgery uh, back in the day, and you know the the rehab is brutal. It's like twelve yeah. weeks and just not what you want to do in the middle of summer. Like, sure, you told it. That's like a November. December situation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I broke my collarbone in December, so I know how that is. But anyways, we're coming up on on our time, and I just wanted to get one more question in. If you had one tip for somebody that's going out and doing Everest, it's super popular right now. Like, what would you say? What would you tell them to do? One tip. Um, I really feel like, you know, doing that, the Everesting training ride and doing doing the climb that you're going to do and and getting your pacing dialed and and doing like it half of the vertical like really set me up to know how to do the whole thing like i was looking at my heart rate looking at my power and you just have that those consistent you don't have the spikes you don't have the big bonks you just know exactly how much that you can push and and just having you know using the technology that we have today um that helped so much like i knew exactly how many watts to push and i just from beginning to the end i was just able to do that um so that and then this is more than one but also just you know dialing in your fueling like experimenting with your fueling don't do anything for the first time on the day of the event um you know do your liquid diet, you know, eat the food that you're going to eat, know how that's going to affect you. So like, yeah, I think, uh, nutrition and, uh, and just pacing is like so, so important. Um, and training on that specific climb that you're going to do at that altitude on those conditions and just really knowing what to expect. Um, and just trying to control the controllables as much as you can. So you're not having some weird issue, some stomach thing, because, you know, you decided to do, you know, beet juice the morning of, like, you know. Just... <laughs> for sure. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, sure. I think I think just, uh, you know, it's like tra training and practice and just trying to prepare yourself by going and actually doing it. Like half everything, half everything is super hard too. You know, like it's, it's going to be a killer workout. You're going to get good training out of it, but you're also going to be able to prepare yourself with all the, the pacing aspects that it requires. No, that's awesome, man. Yeah. And I, I appreciate your time, dude. And, and thank you so much again for coming sure. on and uh, thanks for having me guys. We'll put down all the links below that, you know, Nick sponsors his coaching company and all that good stuff. So you guys can check that out. Um, but other than that, guys, thank you so much for tuning in and uh, we'll see you next time.